You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today, I'm going to talk about the dark side to a daily home practice. Last week's episode was in large part about the benefit and importance of a home practice. However, in fairness, anything can be taken too far, and there are a lot of myths and expectations floating around about what a yoga teacher is supposed to look like and who they're supposed to be. While I believe that a home practice is essential for a yoga teacher to stay connected and inspired, like I talked about last week, However, we also need to be flexible about what that looks like, and we need to adapt it to different situations and different chapters of our lives. I decided to record this podcast in response to a message that I got from a yoga teacher who is still in training. She has some concerns about her personal practice because it doesn't seem to be serving her right now. She also has some understandable fears about changing things up and losing her ability to perform poses, which is actually already happening anyway. She struggles with comparing herself to other yoga teachers, especially ones who have a dance or gymnastics background. I'm sharing this message that she sent me with permission. However, she does prefer to remain anonymous. Here's the message I got from her. I'm almost at the end of a teacher training, and I'm starting to have some concerns and thoughts around a daily practice and what level of ability is considered necessary to be a yoga teacher. You discuss inclusion of students at great lengths, but what about teachers who are struggling with their own physical limitations? We have been encouraged to embrace a daily practice, which I have found sometimes easy and sometimes impossible depending on the day. Prior to this, I always had a great and strong home practice, which I loved, two to three times a week and no physical ailments. Since beginning this daily practice, my flexibility levels have decreased. It feels like a struggle most days on the mat, and I'm getting more problems with my thoracic spine, my hip flexors, and my hamstrings. Should I stop? I'm a firm believer the practice should serve you, not the other way around, but feel like to lose any of the physical gains by relaxing my practice would not be in line with the social expectations of what a yoga teacher is or does. Many of my friends who are yoga teachers were dancers and have insane strength and flexibility. As a young mom, I can't help but feel that I will never achieve that. Please help me to clarify what you believe is appropriate and if you have come across this before with your clients. Wow, this is such a powerful message to me, this question of, okay, we're trying to include all the students, but what about teachers? Yes, 100% yes, we need teachers who look a lot of different ways. So You know, yes, there are lots of yoga teachers out there already who have a dance or gymnastics background, and that's great. And it doesn't even mean that we don't need more of them. I believe every person is welcome into this space. And more than anything, we need yoga teachers who don't look like that. We need yoga teachers who do have body limitations. We need yoga teachers who are older 
We need yoga teachers in bigger bodies. We need yoga teachers whose external appearance does not match what we see in advertisements that use yoga as a tool to sell products. And even yoga teachers who use yoga as a tool to sell the product of fitness. There's nothing wrong with yoga classes that are also exercise. I find them very enjoyable myself. But we also need yoga classes that are going to help people who don't currently exercise, who don't see themselves as exercisers, and who those classes would be neither appropriate nor safe for. The yoga teachers that are dancers, that are gymnasts, or were in a prior life, they might be amazing teachers, and they might be even really great at adaptive yoga. I don't know. That would be an individual thing. But as a trend, as a likelihood, many times what I've seen is that the yoga teachers who are used to being really strong and flexible in their own bodies have a harder time relating to their students who are less strong, less coordinated, and less flexible. So for a lot of students, for a lot of yoga students, to be in a body that struggles more is actually a benefit. It's actually a feature. It's actually a way that they are going to be able to connect with you better. And I have clients who basically their entire business model is based around not being the typical quote unquote yoga teacher. Let's focus in on some of the specifics in your message. You said that in the past, before embarking on your teacher training, you had a home practice that was really working for you two to three days a week. Since trying to triple that to seven days a week, you've been having symptoms of discomfort and actually reduced flexibility. So that's definitely your body sending you a signal. Now it could be that you just went from zero to 60 and you went too fast. But honestly, in general, I don't see a seven day a week vigorous practice as being helpful. Our bodies thrive on variety and they thrive on a lot of different types of movement. So if you are doing some kind of vigorous yoga practice, whether it's fast or slow, there's a certain type of stimulus that your body is getting from yoga. And you can change that up consciously by adding in some external sources of load, like resistance bands or weights, by varying the speed, by varying the pose types. But that requires a lot of knowledge and thought If you, for example, have a set sequence and you're taking that set sequence from two to three days a week, which was really working for you, and now you're doing that exact same set sequence seven days a week, I'm not surprised that it's too much. It's probably too much for most bodies. When I first started teaching, which was about 15 years ago, it was common knowledge in the yoga world that yoga was a complete exercise. This is what we thought. We had this story that 
if you do yoga, you really don't need any other types of exercise. You don't need any weight training. You don't need any cardio. Yoga could do it all. Well, these days, even though there are a few people who still say that, most, even most yoga teachers believe or understand that yoga is not going to give you everything you need on a physical level. And if you have a seven day a week asana practice, that really does not leave a lot of time available for any kind of cross training, especially as a young mom. How are you going to get a yoga practice and a walk in, a yoga practice and a weight training session in? I mean, as the mother of a 16 year old and a three year old, I'm having a hard time picturing it unless you have like a full-time nanny and no job, (laughs) which is not the case for very many people. So as an example to a really clear and easy to understand example that is really commonly used to help people understand why yoga is not a complete exercise is the emphasis on pushing in yoga because yoga is a body weight exercise. There's a lot of upper body pushing. So we spend a lot of time in planks, down dogs, inversions, and these develop muscles in our shoulders that help us push. There are other muscles, shoulder muscles, that help us pull, and this is impossible in yoga without some kind of external prop or device to pull on. You can you can get some pulling with resistance bands, but ultimately it's very difficult to get as much load in the pulling as in the pushing without using like say a pull-up bar, for example. The pattern that has emerged in the last decade or two is that many people who practiced yoga exclusively ended up with shoulder problems because of this muscular imbalance. So you didn't talk about shoulder problems. This is not directly related to the physical issues you're having. It's just a really easy to understand description of how yoga is not a complete exercise. If we want to reach our physical potential for a given period of time, we're going to need to incorporate other types of movement. And unless you are a single person with a non-demanding job, it's going to be very difficult to do that with a seven day a week yoga practice. Now, when we say yoga practice, it sounds like you're talking about an asana practice. And when I advise my clients to have a daily practice, I'm not necessarily talking about asana. I do think two to three days a week of asana is plenty. I think just a brief meditation practice, and that is something that you can work in around children, around a career 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of meditation. That's what I'm talking about. That is what can be done daily in a sustainable way. I do also want to put it out there that it's possible that you have some unrelated physical ailment that's causing your symptoms. So take a break from your practice. And if your symptoms don't go away, please seek out a doctor or a healthcare practitioner that you trust to rule out non-structural causes. Whatever it is that you are doing is not working for you right now. Give yourself permission to switch it up. If you have a teacher that you trust, you can ask for their help and their feedback. 
you can experiment with yourself. You can incorporate weights or resistance bands. You can substitute a walk out in nature. You can do some restorative practices a few days a week. Feel free to slow down and make your practice less about achieving poses and more about fluid movement or even put on some music and just dance and be in your body. What your practice looks like, what your actual home practice looks like, needs to depend on what works for you and on what you plan to teach. If you plan to teach a more vigorous class, then you do want to practice that sometimes, but it does not have to be seven days a week. Two to three days a week of a vigorous practice, two to three days of walks, one day of restorative, this would be a beautiful pattern that would enable you to have as much experimentation and playtime as you needed to have a lot of creativity and confidence in what you're teaching but not so much that you're burning yourself out or injuring yourself. Yoga is a series of tools that help us overcome our conditioned behavior that leads to suffering so that we can instead access an experience of wholeness. When the tools lead in that direction, we call them yoga, but when the very same tools such as asana lead to injury or suffering, then they are not yoga. And of course, we run into the problem of language and the challenge of using a word, yoga, to describe an experience that is beyond words. So the best we can do is to use this word to describe the tools that we use to lead to this experience. And it's confusing and it requires a lot of education and lived, felt, sensed experience to understand the difference between the two. To speak to your question about this social expectation of what a yoga teacher needs to look like, I think that is going to vary a lot based on where you are, what studios you practice at, who you are around, and even what social media accounts you follow. One of my coaching clients is in her 60s. She has a larger body and she has chronic health challenges. And she's also an incredibly popular yoga teacher to others like her. If you want to teach young fit people, it's going to be helpful to be young and fit, or at the very least fit. But there are so many people who are not young and not fit who need yoga. The young fit niche is more saturated. So that's what we see more. Plus, that is what sells. So we do tend to see more of that in advertising and movies and that type of media. But if you were to come to me as a coaching client and say, how am I most likely to be successful as a yoga teacher unless you were a gymnast or a dancer and that is who you want to serve and the image you want to have, That's not the direction that I would steer anybody. I wouldn't ask anybody who is kind of a normal person and say, develop a really impressive asana practice and then you will be a popular teacher. 
that might work for some people and it definitely has been the path that some asana teachers have taken that are well known and we can see their practice but what i see working for people on the ground in my business is to find a population that's underserved find people who need yoga who aren't feeling represented and teach them so to summarize if your daily practice isn't working for you trust that take a break change it up get checked out by a doctor if there's any sense that it could be something else a hundred percent you do not need a specific level of fitness or physical ability to be a good or even a successful yoga teacher you do need to practice at least sometimes similarly to the classes you plan to teach so for example if you only plan to teach meditation then you don't have to have an asana practice at all if you want to teach restorative you could just practice restorative that part is up to you i would say at least two to three days a week of practicing in the same style as you teach and the rest can be whatever is joyful for you whatever's nourishing for you after i sent this yoga teacher a much shorter version of what i just said i heard back from her with an update she said i had a week off of any kind of practice and i've never felt better I think I was subconsciously trying to prove my validity and worth as a teacher by striving for a type and frequency of practice that didn't work for me or my lifestyle at this time in my life. I don't use social media much, but I do think that there are larger cultural assumptions and that some of my teachers even perpetuate them. One of them being that you need to teach, in order to teach meditation, you would need to have spent a lot of time on silent retreats which as a young mother seems like a huge wall to climb. Most of my physical issues seem to have simmered down. My body surely had been screaming at me to take a break. I listened to something about Satya that absolutely resonated with me moving forward on why we work with the body first. It's because the body cannot lie. If you're tired, burnt out, or struggling, it will always tell you even if you can't be honest with yourself. Thank you, anonymous, lovely yoga teacher in training for that beautiful reflection. I think that is so wise and I'm really glad that you were able to find your own inner wisdom around this. I'm glad you took that break. Even though I love helping yoga teachers and I'm honored to get to be a mirror for them at times, I believe that the answers are ultimately inside each of us. And I think that's part of what we love about yoga But in those moments of darkness and confusion, we sometimes just want somebody else to give us the answers. Yoga teacher, all of you, all of you listening, please be kind to yourself. You don't need to perform any fancy poses to be a good teacher. You do not need a great level of flexibility in order to help people experience the wholeness at their center. If you love working on complicated and challenging shapes and you feel that journey leads you to wholeness, that is wonderful. There is nothing wrong with being strong, flexible, and coordinated and loving a challenge for your body. I would ask you to watch your communication though. 
Is there anything about your language that implies that these beautiful shapes are the ultimate goal of yoga? Could you clarify your communication around your practice to acknowledge that there's no inherent superiority of a teacher or practitioner who can do them over one who cannot? If you teach teachers, I'm going to ask you to take this on even more seriously. Many people sign up for yoga teacher training thinking that they're going to learn about the poses. So you do need to spend time on asana, a significant portion of time for most trainings. But I challenge you, those of you who teach teacher trainings, I challenge you to put asana in context every time you teach it. Remind future teachers that you are training, that asana is one tool to lead to yoga, but that it can also be used to lead away from yoga. As yogis, we are embarking on a journey that is counter to many of the instincts of human nature. Let us grow together as a community to understand how our words, our stories, and our Instagram posts might be misconstrued, misconstrued, and misinterpreted to actually lead people away from yoga. Let's keep learning how to communicate more clearly about the most beneficial, deepest, most amazing benefit and purpose of yoga. And yoga teacher, please make sure that your personal practice is nurturing and supporting you. Reach out for help from teachers that you trust if you get confused about how to do this. You do have permission to experiment and to do something different from what you think it's supposed to look like. This is your time to fill your cup. If that's not happening, you're not going to have much to give your students. I would love for you to come to the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group and let me know how your personal practice is going. If you're struggling and you need ideas, that is a great group to post in. You will get a ton of response and feedback from other yoga teachers. If you're not a member yet, you can go to teachingyoga.net slash join. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for doing the inner work that allows you to share these teachings with those who need them. 